You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. I am excited to speak to you today because I love Jesus and I want to make him known this morning. And, and we're going to do that today as we continue our sermon series through the epistles of John, which we've titled From the Beginning. So if you want to turn with me, if you brought your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 John 4. We're going to be reading 1 John 4, 1 to 6, and then we'll skip ahead to 5, 1 to 13. And um, if you didn't bring your Bibles, it'll be up there for you, because we have a great PowerPoint team. Right, Connor? (laughs) All right, 1 John 4, 1 to 6. This is John speaking to Uh, church community here. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Then we'll go to chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men... The testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So there's a lot going on there in in those passages, which means we need to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we could be here this morning. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would write it on our hearts, Lord God, and I pray that um, as I speak, Lord God, that, that, that your word would, would go forth and that anything that I say that isn't of you, Lord, would just be uh, washed aside, Lord God. I pray that your, your spirit would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I follow a satirical website that pokes fun of odd things about Christian culture. 
And uh, because we need to be able to laugh at ourselves, right? Sometimes as Christians, we do or say silly things, right? So, um, I've, so I, I, I enjoy this site, and, and sometimes it crosses the line, but usually I think it's pretty hilarious. Um, anyways, they once posted an article making fun of pastors who always quote J.R.R. Tolkien and use Lord of the Rings trilogy as, as an allegory for the Bible. Has anyone had pastors do that? Yeah. I, I hear that all the time. So I got a kick out of that. And so I made a mental note as I read that, that um, article to ensure that I never became one of those pastors um, so that I wasn't part of this joke. But unfortunately, in this sermon that's about overcoming, in this case, I was unable to overcome. And I will momentarily become part of the joke because this, this quote just fits too perfectly. So you're welcome, Lord of the Rings fans. Here's a quote by a hobbit named Bilbo as he's speaking some wisdom to his nephew Frodo. He says to him, It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And isn't that the truth? That's why I had to use that quote. Because it's so good. As Christians, as Christians, we know that we're, we're called and, and saved by Christ to be steadfast, right? To be in the world, but not of the world. To walk in faith, to proclaim the kingdom, to persevere, to walk in holiness and uprightness, to love one another, and to be lights of Christ in the dark places of the world, right? And this, this is, all these things are, are exciting and, 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 and and they're a glorious responsibility that God has given us, that he wants, to, wants us to join with him in this mission. But let's not beat around the bush here. It's, it's no simple calling. It's no simple calling. The truth is, especially in, in our current moral and political culture that we're living in, as soon as we walk out our doors into the world, it's a battle. It's by no means easy to be Christian today. I mean, it's easy to go to church. And it's easy to be Christians in our homes and read our Bibles at the kitchen table, right? It's easy to do that. But to go out and obey the Great Commission, to boldly advance the kingdom of God, that's, that's no walk in the park. And I, and I don't want to be discouraging. I'm not trying to be discouraging. But like my good friend Bilbo the Hobbit, I'm a realist. And I agree. It's dangerous business walking out the front door because we could so easily lose our footing. And it's not violently dangerous here in Canada. I mean... I'm going to talk about Dr. J uh, in a bit, who's in India. That's violently dangerous. Okay, but when we walk out our front door, it's dangerous for our faith. It's dangerous for, for our relationship with God, because if we don't keep our footing, if we're not planted on a firm foundation, we could get swept away by, by who knows what. We could get swept away by the, by the many temptations and, and cheap pleasures of the world. We could get swept away by the insurmountable wealth of knowledge and half-truths and ideologies and opinions and deceptions that are all a, a click away on the web. We could get swept away by becoming consumed with material possessions and, and selfishness and, or the American dream. We could get swept away by giving up or giving in to persecution. You know, we get tired of people attacking our faith or calling us stupid, stupid or bigoted or evil or old-fashioned. We could get swept away by our self-pity or our anger and confusion when we face trials and seasons of, of hardship or tragedy or loss. We could get swept away by emotional trauma or past hurts or bitterness that we, that we just can't let go of. 
We could get swept away by the busyness and anxiety and frustrations of life. I could keep going forever. The world offers so many ways, whether, whether sinful, whether spiritual, whether hurtful, or just simply distracting. There's so many ways for us to become swept off our feet as Christians, and not in a good way. After all, Jesus once said to his disciples, in this world, it'll be, it'll be chocolate and rainbows, right? Is that what he said? No. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And he wasn't kidding. To live faithfully as a Christian in this world is becoming increasingly difficult to the point where I, I think many of us, just, we just end up keeping our faith to ourselves, just so we're not embarrassed at work or so, so we're not attacked on Facebook. Or alternatively, we just become frustrated or fearful and we just stop trying altogether and we just end up kind of leaving our faith behind and just living in the world. The question is then, how, how can we overcome as Christians in a culture, in a world that increasingly stands at odds with who we are and what we stand for? How do we remain steadfast as the church? How do we persevere in our faith? How do we stand up for truth in a world that, that, that's convinced truth is relative and is based on feelings? But more than that, how do we advance and do what we're called to do with so many temptations and so many obstacles and so many deceptions in our path trying to slow us down or pull us away? How do we overcome without being overcome? That's good. A couple of months ago, I had to fix some leaky plumbing in my house. One of the, one of the pipes just started leaking and water was spraying out of it, so I shut off the water. I watched the YouTube video. I went and grabbed the supplies. I fixed the pipe myself, and I was admiring my work. I was really proud of myself. And then I was like, Audrey, turn on the water. Turn on the water. Water just hit me in the face. And I just stood there and let it happen. And as, I, as the water was flying in my face and all over the floor, I just, you know, was, was about to blow up. My anger was rising. My frustration was rising. But I didn't blow up. I, I, I held my patience in that moment. And when I did eventually get it fixed by a plumber, um, <laughs> after he left, I was admiring his job. I was like, yeah, he did a good job. Then I turned around, like literally, I turned around and I saw another pipe had started leaking. And so I, I didn't want to call the plumber back and spend more money. So I decided, oh, okay. I think I figured it out now. I know what I did wrong. I'll try to fix that one. So I put the coupling on. You know, I cut the pipe, put the coupling on. It was all good. Turn on the water. Water in my face again. And it was like, oh, you know, it was, it was just, oh. you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes life is like that. It's lemons and the lemonade tastes gross, right? Like sewer water. It's in those moments where we just, feel defeated and we just want to want to give up or give in right and the truth is that there are seasons there will be seasons in in our faith in our walk as christians that are going to feel like that where, where we just face trials and temptations and obstacles and it just feels like it's, it's just never going to end and there's there's spiritual attacks and and there's so many opportunities to just get swept away times where we just want to just give up 
where we just feel defeated, where we feel frustrated, or we just feel ashamed, or we just can't go any longer. We just can't fight this battle anymore. But that's why Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. Like Bilbo to his nephew Frodo, right? Jesus said this to his disciples because he was preparing them for reality. Preparing them for what they'd have to face in this broken and sinful world as citizens of the kingdom and as followers of Jesus Christ. That to be a Christian in this world is, is, is hard. It's almost impossible. In fact, to overcome the world, to overcome our desires, to overcome sin, to overcome the schemes of the devil is impossible for us in our own strength. And that's the point. In Matthew 19, 26, it says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With man... This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And again, that's why Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not in the world you may have peace. In Jesus they may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, he said. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome this world. I have overcome the world. So in this world of trouble, how do we rise above it? We look to the one who already has. We look to the one who has overcome the world. And this is why John, at this point in his letter, uh, if you've you've been following our series, you'll know that John's been talking about who we are as Christians and how we're to act as Christians and act as the church in unity and in in love and and with discernment. And he's talking about all these things. But now he he shifts his focus and and he tells us and he's reminding us how we're going to be able to do those things. The only way we'll be able to do those things is through Jesus, through Jesus alone. And yeah, it sounds... Too simple, right? Sounds like a, like a Sunday school answer. How do we overcome? Oh, teacher, it's Jesus, right? But he's powerful. To be honest, there's no better answer in heaven or earth than that name, than the name of Jesus. 1 John 5, 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And then he goes on to say in, in verse 4 and 5, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that jesus is the son of god who is it that overcomes the world who is it that can live for god who is it that can live the impossible the one who believes by faith that jesus is the christ the son of god and this is an important point, too, kind of, a, kind of an aside here, but not really an aside because John spends a lot of time on this point. That it's not just about believing in Jesus. It's about believing he's the son of God. This is a really important point because many today are fine with following Jesus as an example or as a good teacher or as a prophet or, or something like that. But the truth is that that won't get us anywhere if we only follow him as an example then we get to pick and choose what, what we want to follow, right? It has to be in your heart. That's right. <laughs> and, and if we only follow him as an example, we'll, we'll only become overcome instead by either our pride or self-righteousness, thinking we're doing a good job on our own, or we'll just end up giving up because, like I said, it's impossible to do that in our own strength. But yet this was a trend that was probably occurring back then. People are having these so-called revelations and new doctrines that they're trying to spread Denying that Jesus was divine, 
denying that he is God incarnate. And it's a trend that's being revived today as well. But it's silliness because we need more than his example. His example is good, but we need more than his example. We need his saving grace. We need his Holy Spirit within us in order to live this life, to do the impossible, to overcome. So John's very clear. Only the one who believes by faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Those who do will overcome. Those who believe that he is the word from the beginning, who became flesh, who became fully man, yet was still fully God who was murdered at the cross as a sacrifice for mankind's sin, who was raised from the grave in the power of the Holy Spirit on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of God. And he goes on to remind them of why we can be sure of this, why we can be sure of Jesus' divinity, by telling us about these three witnesses that all agree, that all speak to the truth. He talks about the water, the blood, and the spirit. The water... He came by the water and the blood, and the Spirit testifies to this, he says. And to be honest, it's not easy to, to tell what he's referring to here. There's, there's many different ideas and opinions of what John's talking about, and I'm sure the church he's talking to knows exactly what he meant by the water and the blood and the, and the Spirit. Possibly the water being mentioned here is when he got baptized. I don't know. But most likely he's referring to overall generally his life, death, and resurrection, who Jesus is. He's reminding the church of the truth and reality of Jesus, that his historical life, his works, his death, his spirit, which raised him from the dead and now dwells within us, all confirm the divinity of Christ and the testimony of God. And what's the testimony of God? Verses 9 to 13. Let's read that. It says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the same testimony of our God who proclaims to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43:10 to 11 when he says, "You are my witnesses," declares the Lord. And my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me, God says, there is no Savior. Besides God, there is no Savior. And Jesus, John's proclaiming here and reminding us here, he's saying, Jesus is that Savior. He is the testimony of God's salvation. He is the fulfillment of Isaiah 43 because Jesus is the Son of God, because Jesus is the Lord. And through Jesus, we can believe and know God. And as, as Brad spoke about this morning, and we didn't plan it, I swear, he, he holds the words to eternal life. Therefore, those who believe by faith will overcome. 
A couple of days ago, I had a meeting with Dr. Jay Seelan, and he runs the missions and, and ministry of Victory Churches in India, and he met with um, all the elders and the families on, on Friday evening. And um, Blair and I drove to Calgary to pick him up at his hotel there. And on the way back to Lethbridge, he was telling me about um, what was going on in India and how the government in India was trying to create a Hindu state kind of like ISIS, but in India, they're trying to create a Hindu state. So, so they're very supportive of uh, these radical Hindus in the country who are burning down churches, arresting, and sometimes even killing Christian pastors or even just non-Hindus, freezing bank accounts of nonprofit organizations and kicking them out of the country. So all this stuff is happening in India right now. Crazy stuff. That's why I asked them. Of course, you know, how are you able to keep going? How are you able to, to keep doing your ministry? And, and, and he laughed. <laughs> and he said, oh, these radical Hindus, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus said that he will build his church. And like it says in Daniel, God will build a rock that will crush those who oppose it. And those who try to strike against it will also be crushed. In other words, he was saying that he knows and he trusts that God's kingdom will not fail no matter what. So he's willing to go into the darkest places and most hostile places of India because he believes that Jesus, the rock, has overcome and that Jesus will build his church. He's saying the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So obviously in that moment, Dr. J's faith was inspiring to me. And I'm thinking about, you know, my self-pity and, and things going on here and Nothing compared to what he's going through. Dr. J is obviously standing on a firm foundation. No matter what the Hindu radicals throw at him, he's not going to back down from proclaiming the saving power of Jesus Christ to the lost. He's not getting swept away by persecution or anxiety or fear because his faith is centered and grounded in the one who has overcome. And this is John's point in the passage, in the whole letter really, to, to, to place and keep our faith centered on Jesus. That sounds so simple. Every day. Every day. <laughs> to place and keep our faith centered on Jesus because only through him can we overcome in this life and the next. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. All God's promises, all God's promises of salvation and restoration are revealed and proclaimed and accomplished through Jesus' name. Why? Because only Jesus overcame. He overcame temptation as a human. He overcame the lies of the enemy with the truth. He overcame the curse of the law and perfectly obeyed the commandments of God. He overcame sin at the cross, took our judgment upon himself. He overcame the grave. And now through faith in him, we can and will overcome too. As an example, John writes in chapter 4 that these, these believers that he's writing to were, were successfully able to overcome the false prophets or antichrists, as he calls, calls them, that were trying to lead people away from Jesus and, and spread a false gospel. 
And how do they do it? Let's, let's read it in 1 John 4, 4 to 6. He says, it says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So how did they overcome? Because he who is in them, because he who is in them is greater than he who is in the world. Because he who is in them is greater than he who is in the world. The, the reality is that this, this battle against the world, we often, we often only see what we see, right? But this battle against the world, as it says in Ephesians, is, isn't one of just flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. There's stuff going on behind the scenes. And only Christ in us then, only his spirit at work within us, can give us the power and, and the discernment and the authority to walk in victory. And he does. And he does, which means that through Jesus, as we place our faith and our awe and our worship in him, through Jesus, we can overcome the power of sin and temptation in our lives. Because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We, we can overcome the schemes and the, and the lies of the devil because Jesus is greater. Because he rendered Satan defeated at the cross. We can overcome the, the false ideologies and, and messages of the world because the Spirit of God who dwells in all who believe gives us discernment. He confirms and establishes the truth and word of God within us. As John says, we listen to those who are of God, not of the world. Whereas Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And it means we can overcome the pain of suffering too. Knowing that Jesus suffered for us. And that the world only hates us because it just doesn't know him. We can overcome our selfishness and pride and love others as ourselves because through Jesus we're born of God and God is love. We can overcome the stress and anxiety of this world knowing that, that Jesus is king and that he'll provide and that he'll comfort and he'll be with us. We can overcome the weariness of tragedy and loss because of the hope we have in everlasting life. And in the same vein, we can overcome the fear of death. We can overcome the fear of death because we know that Jesus has defeated sin and the wages of sin, which is death. He overcame the grave. And finally, we can move forward in obedience and faith. As John said, it's, it's no burden. Without Jesus, it's a burden. But with Jesus, it's not a burden. We can walk out our front doors into this world with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not be swept away and not be shaken. We can run this race with steadfastness, with boldness, with joy and certainty because, again, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. As it says in Romans, nothing can separate us. From the love of Christ. Nothing can, can thwart the will and promises of God. I was listening to a David Crowder band song the other day. I was driving in my car. And I went like this. I want to read it to you. It's really simple. It says, This place is trying to break my belief. But my faith is bigger than all I can see. What I need is redemption. What I need is for you to put me back on my feet. 
I swear I'm trying to give everything, but I feel I'm falling. Oh, make me believe. What I need is resurrection. What I need is for you to put me back on my feet. I'm glad you're here. These lyrics are so simple. It's so true. And that's the point of, of John's letter. He's not rewriting anything. It's the simple message that we've heard from the beginning. It's Jesus. And yes, this place, this, this world is trying to pull us from God. And in the same vein, if we're trying to fight this battle on our own, like I said, we'll grow weary. We'll, we'll, we'll fail. It's too much for us to bear. We'll just get sucked into the world. And I want to say this. If you're feeling the reality of that this morning, like the world is against you or, or, or pulling you away from God or weighing down upon you, then you need to turn back to Jesus. That's the answer. I'll be the first to admit it. I do all the time. As a pastor, as a father, as a husband, in my faith, I have times where I feel overwhelmed, tempted to, to stray, when I feel depressed or, or discouraged or, or ashamed, or I have times of selfishness, where I find my, my awe and, and worship is placed on something else other than God. And it's always in those times of weakness that I realize that I haven't been praying much, or I haven't been reading the Word much, or I haven't been gathering with other believers much. And it's in those times that I, that I, that I realize I need to repent. I need to turn back to Jesus. And if you're feeling that, if you're feeling the weight or pull of this world, what you need, what we need is Jesus, our Redeemer, our life, our resurrection, our Savior, our Lord, to put us back on our feet. As Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 states, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, testifying to the testimony of God, let us then also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If we keep our faith and our affection and our awe and our worship on Jesus Christ, we won't grow weary. We won't grow faint-hearted. We will overcome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your testimony, Lord, that you revealed to us through Jesus Christ. That through him, we have eternal life. That through him we can overcome any obstacle, any temptation, anything that the world tries to throw at us, to hurt us, or pull us away from you, Lord. We thank you for the faith that you've given us to stand strong, to remain steadfast. And I pray for each and every person here this morning, Lord, that they would be able to turn to you. 
and know that hope and that security and that life that we have in your saving grace. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.